Michael, I think I'll hand it over to you now to start talking about it, and if there's something that pops up for me that I want to add, I'll jump in if that's okay. Right. Okay, now I'm talking about the version of it that appears on our website, tikkun.org slash E-S-R-A. I'm not positive that's what you got. I'm not sure. But that... Um, but if you go to tikkun.org slash ESRA, you'll get the, uh, the text of the proposed ESRA event, uh, Environmental and Social Responsibility Amendment. And um, the first thing I want to say about it before even jumping into anything that we have here is the, the Constitution of the United States does not specify what can or cannot be in an amendment to the Constitution. It doesn't specify the length. It doesn't specify the details. It just allows for a process of amendment. So, um, uh, so why are we putting forward something that's so long here, so detailed? And the answer is simple. We have seen the Supreme Court take um, the, mean, the plain meaning of short formulations, for example, um, protection of the uh, of the free speech of individuals of um, and uh, and rule that those uh, individuals include that um, corporations are people under that that clause and hence have the protection of the Constitution well of course nobody who was involved in drafting the Constitution had that intention to include corporations as people um, as persons being protected by the First Amendment um, but this um, this particular um, Supreme Court that we have, and we may continue to have, and in fact it might get even worse, um, is a Supreme Court that is willing to um, violate the plain meaning of sentences uh, for the sake of achieving protection of the corporate interests that they believe in. And, uh, and there's a solid majority there that wants to protect corporations and will continue to do that. So... Um, and um, so that's the first background point that needs to be made. The second is is that the proposed version that you will see at tikkun.org/esra makes it clear that the um, that this amendment, which has several component parts, could be separated into the first part as the, the money out of politics part, which is uh, esra one, and a second part which has to do with protection of the environment. Uh, and I'll uh, answer later why we don't separate it, but we could understand if uh, groups decided to try to get um, uh, endorsement of each part separately, although we think it's a mistake. But, but nevertheless, we can understand why it might seem easier to try to do that. Um, so... Um, the, the, the Article 1, the pro-democracy clause, starts with a statement of intention honoring the struggles of much of the human rights for democracy that have uh, uh, often brought significant advances in spreading the message that all human beings deserve respect, dignity, kindness, generosity, and love, um, and so on. It goes on to, in other words, it's, it's a statement of principle. Why do we put that? Because uh, the entire campaign for the ESRA is primarily about transformation of consciousness. It is an incredible vehicle for getting people to imagine a different kind of world, a different kind of way that the world could be organized. And um, although it is not yet a full vision of utopia, it is a major step 
in the in that uh, in the direction of creating a good world. So um, so consequently, putting in at the beginning a statement of um, of some principles for for the uh, for ESRA one for the money out of politics part, and we'll do the same thing for the second part, um, is uh, part of the process of helping people change how they think about um, the American world and the political world. Okay, so now um, this part of um, getting money out of politics, you might say, well, wait a second, I've been hearing a campaign going on for a very long time about money getting out of politics, and um, why do we need something more than just what is already out there in the public arena? Um, There is an organization called Move to Amend, that played an important role in getting um, in publicizing that idea of getting money out of politics, and um, and we approached Move to Amend and asked them if they would also support our more full pr- perspective on what money out of politics could mean, and unfortunately they have been unwilling to do that. Um, they've been unwilling to take this larger perspective. So now, why do we need a larger perspective? Because the primary focus that uh, that move to amend and the money out of politics people take is one of um, of trying to put the power back in the hands of Congress but they do not and they are uh, focused primarily on um, getting corporate money out of politics but as you probably know following the um, the last few elections um, a lot of the private the money is coming not from corporations but from private individuals, and um, so what we do in our amendment is to say that all money should be out of politics except for publicly funded uh, public public funding of the major candidates in an election, both on the state level and on the national level, and um, and so that way. We're really talking about getting money out of politics. We're not just talking about um, some specific part of it. We're saying no, fund this, fund this um, through the um, the government. The government should fund these elections, and uh, and no other money be allowed. No other expenditure of money be allowed uh, in um, in these campaigns. That will dramatically. Um, reduce the uneven nature of the uh, of, of elections, and um, uh, and it means that uh, there is um, um, a whole different picture that people will be facing. Get the money really out of, of politics, and this is how to do it. However, um, even so, there's a problem. And the problem is addressed by Article 2, the corporate environmental and social responsibility part. Um, And that problem is this. Even if you had no money in politics and it was publicly funded, corporations could still yield uh, um, incredible power in a simple, simple way that they have been doing over and over again, namely... They turn to the local uh, local constituency, local, the local, the city, the state that they're in, and they say, and maybe uh, now um, with these uh, new international deals to the country that they're in, and say, look, if you pass legislation that is difficult for us to live with, if it cuts into our bottom line, into our prop- profit margin, we're going to move our assets. 
we can move we can move out of here we we will leave you this city that we're in or this county that we're in or this state that we're in or even this country that uh, that we're in in um economically economic crisis because we will um let go of all of our employees except maybe our top employees who will and we will move it to some other place we'll move we will move the corporation to another area and we're willing to take a hit on a little bit of the money that it costs to re- relocate and restart but but we will do this and this is just what happened in, in recently in uh, the case of Boeing in in Seattle or outside of Seattle I think Everett um, in the state of Washington, where um, there was an attempt to uh, put some environmental uh, restrictions on the, on the corporation, on Boeing, and some attempt to put uh, some demands for higher uh, wages for the workers. And what Boeing said was, okay, we're going to move. We're going to move right out of here. Well, the surrounding um, um, uh, municipalities capitulated immediately. They, had, they felt that they had no choice because the amount of disruption that that would cause, the amount of unemployment, and that, of course, unemployment, not just for the people who are working in the corporation, but then for all the other people who serve the workers of that corporation, all the other small businesses that provide services for the people who live there. In other words, you could turn um, uh, Seattle area or Everett area, the northern, uh, even the state of Washington, into what corporations have already turned Cleveland and Detroit and many other cities into, namely uh, economic basket cases. So um, given that, even if you're a liberal Democrat, even if you're a progressive person and you're faced with this situation, you may then vote to capitulate and say, yeah, okay, what the, we, can't, we can't put um, a living wage as opposed to just the minimum wage. We can't put a living wage in, into operation here because this corporation will move. We can't require them to be more environmentally um, uh, responsible because they will move. And when they do that, our constituency not only will vote us out of office for good reason because they've lost their jobs and they're angry and who can they be angry at us because they, they can be angry at the corporations and the corporations are gone. So who, who else can they be angry at but us elected officials who stood up to those corporations and allowed, you know, uh, and they moved out and we were, um, and, and we devastated their, um, the employment picture and hence devastated economically our, our locality. So, um, so we have no, um, no ability to stand up to them. So you see, this is this is why we're talking about a system as opposed to individuals. It's not simply a question of getting good guys elected, good people elected into uh, office. There is a national, uh, e- there's an international economic system, and that international economic system is much more powerful than even any elected official. So the elected officials either have to go with the ESRA or they go with capitulation. And so even if we succeeded in getting money out of politics um, at, at the level of who's funding the elections, we, we would still have money shaping the policies of elected officials until you have both money out of politics and corp- uh, control over the policies of corporations. And that's why we go to Article 2, Corporate Environmental and Social Responsibility. And there we... Um, we require that um, uh, again. We start with a, um, uh, a, a few paragraphs that explain our 
um, our worldview, that every citizen of the United States and every organization chartered by the United States are operating within the United States, okay? You don't have to be a corporation um, uh, that's located in the United States to be affected by this uh, by this amendment. Any corporation uh, selling its uh, products or services or ideas in the United States will be subject to, to this second part. Um, but they all have, um, a we say, a, a positive responsibility to promote the ethical, environmental, and social well-being of all life on the planet Earth and on any other planet or place in space with which humans come into contact, because the next thing you know, they're going to be destroying other planets, too. too. Okay, so, um, and then we go on to, to say that every corporation with incomes above $50 million a year now, you might uh, are is subject to the terms we're about to state. Why $50 million a year? Well, it's, um, we know that, we, that to ask small corporations, uh, mom and pop uh, uh, grocery stores, uh, small, little, small little shops, uh, to subject themselves to this process would be both unwieldy and unfair to many, many of those small business people. So we're saying, okay, the, this is going to affect the, um, the 50 million, those who have gross annual receipts of $50 million or more. They are the central corporations that have power uh, in, in the society, and they um, are required by this to get a new corporate charter once every five years, which they can only get if they can prove a satisfactory environmental and social responsibility um, history uh, in the past five years to, um, corp- to uh, a, um, a panel of ordinary citizens. And then we state in points one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, let's see, um, uh, we, we state some of the, the issues that, the, um, that this panel um, will consider in, um, uh, in uh, dealing with this envi- um, their, the review. It's important that, to say that in, giving the, in making this review, um, we are calling on the U.S. government, uh, we're requiring the U.S. government to supply funds to provide adequate means for the the panel, the Environmental and Social Responsibility Panel, to do its investigation, including the hiring of staff if needed to accumulate the relevant information and testimonies and to provide easy and easy to understand information to the Environmental and Social Responsibility Panel and its hearings and deliberation. Um, and uh, the people on the panel are compensated for their work and, um, and they receive testimony and can hear testimony from people any place on the planet who have been affected by the corporation. So it's not just, oh, we're, we're good guys here. We're doing great jobs here in, uh, in our local state. But meanwhile, we're dumping all our, um, waste in, uh, Africa or Asia or uh, South America or wh- wherever. No, the, the panel gets to hear ca- testimony from people all over the world. Of course, they also get to hear testimony from people in the corporations and to hear their side of the story and what they've tried to do and, uh, and to make a judgment. And um, I'm not sure that the, the panels will always make the judgment I would make, but that's the issue of um, trusting ordinary people. And some people say, how can you trust ordinary people? This is such an important decision. Well, yes, the, the, the future of corporations is a very important uh, um, uh, decision to make. But we already trust ordinary people to make the decision when somebody is accused of murder or of a capital crime of whether they get to live or die. And that's even more important. 
the life or death of an individual is more important than the life or death of a corporation. Um, I mean, it's certainly um, more sanctified, sacred responsibility, and we give that to uh, um, a a group of ordinary citizens. So given that we're giving them all kinds of information and ability to help assess that information, um, we think it's fine to be able to give them the same right over corporations that they already have over your life or my life, should either of us, any of us, be accused of something that would require um, that that might involve a a death sentence. Of course, we're not hoping for a corporation that's getting death sentences because the logic behind what we're doing here is a different logic. You see, we know that there are many decent people in corporations. This is not fundamentally an anti-corporate uh, amendment. It is uh, it is a recognition that many, many good people in corporations are forced by the nature of the system to um, make decisions based on what will be in the short-term best interest of the bottom line, the old bottom line of that corporation. And de facto, what we're doing is showing what a new bottom line could look like and would look like if if this uh, ESRA uh, Article 2 were passed, if it were, if it became the law of the land. So, um, so here in this situation, in the, in the current situation, um, people who are good people in corporations that are destroying the, the planet um, uh, are, um, many of them are deeply troubled. They have no choice in their work but to do what the, what that, um, what the corporation needs in order to maximize uh, their money. They may go home and join the Sierra Club or, or give money to Greenpeace or to other wonderful organizations, but um, in their public life, they have, they have to comply with the needs of that corporation uh, or else lose their job, which they do. <laughs> I mean, people who've stood up to, to it, people who blow the whistle in one way or another, lose their jobs, that's all. Okay, that, so, so here's what happens now with, with if this uh, second part is, uh, is, uh, becomes law. Now the people, the good people in corporations are able to say to their corporate investors the following. You know, we had no choice but to make decisions based on maximizing the well-being of the planet and based on the well-being of the people who are affected by our operations on this planet. Because otherwise, we would lose your investment entirely. You would be totally hurt if, if, um, if we failed the ESRA review. So we have to take those steps, you see, and even if it means that there's less profit in the short run for you, um, we had no choice because otherwise, if we hadn't been really sensitive to environmental and social responsibility, as we could imagine people seeing it once they hear testimony from people around the world who don't think we're so socially responsible, uh, we had no choice but to spend that money to make sure that this corporation became much more socially and environmentally responsible. Um, so here you have a, a, a situation in which basically we call this a non-reformist reform. We haven't overthrown capitalism here. We've made a reform of capitalism that is a major significant uh, uh, significant um, uh, taking away of some of the power of those corporations and giving that power um, or pushing them to requiring them to show, demonstrate environmental and social responsibility in a real way. 
Article 3, the positive requirement to enhance human community and environmental sustainability. Here we uh, lay out some of what it would take and require that there be education at every grade level for people to, um, uh, from kindergarten through graduate school or professional school, anyone receive any educational institution receiving uh, funds from the federal government, um, either directly or indirectly, for example, in uh, uh, in providing guarantees for loans or what, um, that they have to teach courses at the appropriate grade level on uh, issues in environmental responsibility and social responsibility. And we lay out in uh, in this amendment and in this Article Three some of what uh, is required there. Article Four, implementation of the ESRA One and Two, either either as one amendment or as two. Um, uh, gives the courts a mandate to um, to declare the corporate any part of um, the the Constitution or any law passed by the United States or any treaty entered into by the United States null and void to the extent that it is in conflict with or restricts the implementation of this amendment. What this does is it answers the question that people sometimes have of, well, wait a second, aren't we now giving all of our power away to the, inter uh, the uh, ITT, the, the, uh, the international trade partnerships that we're signing that will give corporations the right to sue states or countries that violate their rights and so forth? What this, what Article 4 does is it, um, by our constitution, invalidates any such uh, treaty. So, um, or any such international agreement, so that the United States, let's say that uh, um, Obama succeeds in dragging the United States into this uh, agreement that actually does give power to corporations to, um, to restrict um, the right of any individual country from imposing corporate uh, social responsibility or, or environmental um, restrictions. Well, what this does is it turns that over and says, nope, that, those are all null and void in the uh, Supreme Court and the federal courts must enforce that. Um, so um, it, it, it then, it, it essentially gives um, uh, the, it undermines the attempt to um, take a, um, an end run around national cell, uh, uh, environmental responsibility moves by the international agreements. It takes an end run and makes those impossible to be um, to, uh, to be implemented. And um, so there's uh, the essence of what's here. There's, of course, a lot more here. Um, and I'm hoping that you will read it and reread it and reread it <laughs> until you really uh, have, have this down, because we're then hoping that you will take it, um, uh, take it to other um, people um, and uh, convince them to help you Approach your local city council, your state, your state legislature, uh, le legislature representatives, your assembly pe people or state senate people, and your um, members of Congress. And this is um, this is a major way to move forward in building a, a network of spiritual progressives in your area is to get people to take this and um, move with it. And once you explain it to people. They will see that it is a um, uh, an unbelievably powerful way to change the situation. Again, of course, lots of people are going to say, "Oh, it'll never go anyplace," and so forth. But that's the problem about all kinds of, you know, that's 
as we've said before. That's why many people thought gay marriage was uh, like that. This is, uh, um, unlike gay marriage, which is uh, uh, um, an interest of only part of the population, although, of course, it should be the concern of everyone, but the, this is something that will dramatically change the well-being of the planet itself if, uh, if we can implement it. And, um, and we're hoping that you will um, take this to your friends, to your neighbors, to other people, to get them involved in, a, in the discussion about this and eventually get a group of people, it could be three or four people, to go to your city council, to go to your, your state legislature, to go to your, uh, your, your congressperson and, and, uh, and uh, senatorial person and present these ideas and argue for them why they should take, uh, take it forward. So that's the SRA. Um, I mean, it's, uh, I could go into much more detail, but I, I think I, I need to trust that you will read it and reread it and reread it and reread it until you feel like, yes, you really get what's in it. Um, so um, now, Kat, um, maybe we should um, uh, um, open to questions first, or should we do the, the, um, a role play first? Um, that, yeah, that's what I wasn't sure about. Let's, let's see if there's questions, um, because there was a lot that you shared, and then we can do our role play, because there's enough time for both. So, questions like, and, and, and disagreements, or questions and concerns, and concerns, um, or, yeah, whatever, right. Feel so, to... so I just want to add one little thing. I have been in conversations with people in the national movement on the issue of democracy for all, which um, is the first part, you know, getting money out of politics. And the the um, feedback I have received is, um, and they are putting forth a constitutional amendment um, that, as Michael talked about, would only deal with giving Congress the right to decide how much money they Congress can get in their campaigns. And even December of last year, 2014, they increased it by like 500%. And I know McConnell right now has a bill that would allow for even more private money in campaigns. So that's why we're saying public, publicly funded elections. But I've been in conversations with them asking them why, while they recognize that their efforts, which are very limited, are limited, why they're stuck on such a limited approach. And their answer is, Basically, the shorthand of the answer is, well, it's more realistic. And when I say, well, it may be more realistic, although I'm not convinced of that, once you start a movement, as we've seen with the gay rights movement, it can go a lot further than you think. And with uh, same-sex marriage, um, what they said was, in addition to the fact that they think it's more realistic, is, well, that's where we can get unity amongst different groups and so they don't, they're not at a place as of yet where they're going to push for something even as broad, even, even just the first part, which is publicly funded campaign. So, um, so we still want to continue to try to push for that. And I, you know, raised with them what we're doing and, and at least one of the people I spoke with actually agreed with it and thought it was great, but that's just not going to be their strategy yet. So part of our effort is to raise consciousness 
and to begin conversations about, well, if we're going to push for a constitutional amendment, why are we going to push for something that actually doesn't accomplish what we're hoping to? And to be able to get people to start having these very conversations, which will then get people into the discourse around being realistic and not being realistic and bringing forth an argument for not being realistic and for really going for what we want. So that's another component of why we believe there's value in what we're pushing for, even if it's at the beginning stages of getting airtime, if you will, is because we want a discourse out there that is more visionary, um, as you've seen from all of the things that we have shared with you thus far from our work. So if you want, if you have questions, please um, go ahead and push one on your phone. And if you're on the web and you want to share that question through the web, you can do that or you can call in. Um, but we just want to answer any questions before we do a role play because what we'll do is we'll do a role play and then, of course, we'll have you at the end of the call get in pairs and do role plays with one another, um, sharing this and practicing talking about it and giving each other feedback um, it's it is um, it's not easy to share this, and there's lots of questions and concerns that get raised. So I want to just remind you to feel um, fine fumbling. <laughs> um, I know I fumbled for a while, so to feel fine fumbling and being challenged by this because it is it is challenging. Um, so go ahead if you have questions, go ahead and push one, and then we can get to some questions, and then we can do the role play, so you can have a sense as to how we might handle that. So I see a hand up. So Bridget, it looks like your mic's open. So go ahead. Yes, I, I have a lot of questions, but I'll just kind of start with um, a, a, a <laughs> couple of <laughs> right there um, about the um, uh, kind of elections and getting money out of that. Um, first of all, why? Uh, well, the two, the two questions. Um, why not all elections? It seems to be limited to national and state. Um, certain state elections, and I'm curious why it wouldn't be all all elections. And, and the other thing is, um, it seems like a chicken and egg kind of thing when you're talking about the five percent support to be a major um, contender candidate. Uh, as we see right now, it was the Republican Party. Um, some polls say, you know, these people are up above five percent, and some people are down below. And it's it's like, how are you going to get your message out there? to be in the top 5% if you don't have any money to begin with. And so I, those are the two questions I'll just start out with. And Well, you see, the problem with um, um, not having a cutoff place is uh, in a way shown by the re Republican um, candidates for president. They've got 16 or 17 of them now. Um, if you And those are ones who are the media is, uh, is announcing as, as candidates, there are a lot of other people who could declare as well. So there's, um, there's, there had, to, there has to be a cutoff someplace where you say you have to have some level of support. Now, um, and that level of support um, is um, uh, one that at least shows that you've got some significant constituency behind you. Um, so that's what that's why we pick that five percent because. Um, uh, otherwise, you could have a hundred candidates running. In other words, I could run. Uh, I mean, I could I could decide to have a hundred candidates running to um, each get this uh, uh, the public support, 
And um, people would say, no way. Am I gonna, why should our tax money go to every random kook on the block who declares, you know, gets uh, 100 signatures to, to qualify in that, um, for running for office? So that's where we picked the 5% uh, and said uh, below that, there is no restriction on raising money. In other words, so, so um, uh, below the 5% level, anybody there can, uh, can raise, uh, raise money uh, until they reach the 5% level. And um, uh, so that's why we did it that way. You, you might not like, fully agree. I, I, I mean, we had arguments back and forth about it and finally decided, well, that's, that's a reasonable level for um, getting uh, some, you know, showing some support for, for a candidate. And, um, but your, your concern is totally valid also. I mean, there, there are, there are elements here where, um, you have to make a decision one way or the other. We think that this is a reasonable place to make it, but it's reasonable to argue against that also in the ways that you just have. Um, got your, your second point, your second objection. Well, it wasn't so much an objection. It was kind of just a curiosity as to why, Um, only certain um, elections would be subject to this, and not it's, all. It's just oh, oh, right about that. Just it's actually it's the same kind of thinking. It's just trying to imagine um, of all the possible ways uh, that we want to fight over the, over this um, over this uh, issue. Um, we don't want to have the fight about. Hey, this is um, going to bankroll, uh, bankrupt the United States Treasury, and our taxes will go up huge amounts if we have to fund every dog catcher, you know, every, every, uh, every, everybody running for um, for every office in the uh, in the country. It would um, so understanding the the likely rebellion against that. We want to we want to pick a way um, a level in which major decisions are made at the state and national level and say those are the ones that should be funded. There's no reason why, if that worked well, why why we wouldn't then be in a position to get um, uh, put forward a, a, a future amendment to get all uh, all offices. But first we have to have some something that is um, more intuitively right for people. People by and large, are not feeling like the local elections are totally run by um, big money or big corporations. They're thinking that state and national ones are, and so that's where that's that's where our focus. But um, and uh, to go to the local level would mean to um, to require a um, funding that is, I think, um, likely to be the significant reason for defeating this. Um, I mean, it's for getting lots of people to oppose to it who like everything else about it. Whereas when you're just talking about the um, elections of, of the, on the state, the um, statewide elections and national elections, there's a finite amount of money that's being spent. It's a, it's less than uh, the total amounts being spent in those elections is less than two or three of our uh, nuclear subs. Um, it gets way, way more when you start uh Going to the local, uh, to all the local and county elections. That's 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 what our thinking was. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, General Penn, area code eight six zero. I think. 
think that was that how that sounds. How that sounds. No. Okay. And I yeah, can't hear you. Okay, this is Herb. If that's the person that you're trying to reach, I'm in area eight six zero. So Hello. Okay. So talk. Okay. Talk. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm concerned about the reliance on polling. It seems to me that polls run by the government would give too much power to those in power, and polls that are run privately are subject to corruption. So I wonder whether you would consider as an alternative a cutoff based upon a number of signatures on a verifiable petition for a particular mm -hmm. candidate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is another way to do it. Okay, hold on, hold on one second, Michael. I'm going to mute him so that because there does seem to be a uh, echo. So um, I'm going to mute you now. Thank you for I've your question. I've got a cat. You can. I've, I've got a cat. This is Amy. You can just uh, uh, just okay, respond, I'll and I'll, I'll handle the mic piece. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, thanks. Sorry, <laughs> <Rabbi> Learner. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's a good point, and it could be another way of doing it. Um, however, what we've seen also is that the problem that you're talking about is there for the collection of signatures as well. Um, when uh, in southern states, we've seen um, many states uh, that are willing to exclude um, lots and lots and lots, tens of thousands of si signatures on um, be, um, because they, um, for one reason or other, um, are declared ineligible for signing. And um, so the state, in other words, if the issue is how do we control the um, private interests, uh, either of the, of the state or of the elected government or of corporations, we've got the same problem. No matter how how we operate it, there is this possibility of um, of some some corruption. So it can't be handled by the the. Um, by the amendment, it has to be uh, dealt with in other ways. By hopefully by the people who get elected the first time this amendment gets uh, this amendment gets passed, um, because it would be a pre pretty different kind of Congress and pretty different state legislators le legislature that would get um, would get passed. Um, so, um, uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, uh, again, there are there are details in this where somebody can screw around with it, and um, but but the alternatives also can be screwed around with. So we've we've seen it happen over and over again that um, that uh, that there are states that are run by reactionary forces that are willing to throw off the the voting um, rolls, loads and loads and loads of people, um, often people of color, in order to get the outcome that they want. Uh, so that would be true of c collecting signatures on a, on a petition just as well as, um, as uh, the, the polling for major candidates. Um, one of the other factors is, is that um, uh, in collecting signatures, we live in California in a state where um, the uh, people who have a lot of money are able to hire lots and lots of people to collect signatures. Whereas people who don't have lots of money are not able to hire people to to do that and have to rely on volunteer volunteers who will do it for them, and so um, you can get a hell of a lot more people 
um, signed up if you've got uh, if you've got paid people on every uh, you know in every supermarket outside of every supermarket and every drugstore and so forth. Um, these are limits. These are limits to um, to that make this uh, ESRA not a hundred percent perfect, but um, but a pretty good talking, pretty good starting place and a pretty good talking talking document, even though. Uh, the points that both of you, both of the people who've spoken so far raised are really good points. 